You're listening to Work Human Radio. And here's your host, Mike Wood. So welcome back to Work Human Radio, pioneered by Global Force. My name is Mike Wood. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Charlene Lobby. Um, some of you may have seen her at Work Humans in the past or at Sherm. Uh, she has beautiful red hair. And Charlene, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Charlene, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself in case people don't know of you. Um, just uh, give a quick little intro. That would be great. Sure. Um, I am a, a, a human resources professional, like um, probably many of the people listening in on the show. Um, my background um, from a corporate standpoint is in theme parks, airlines, and hotels. Last corporate job was VP of HR for a global organizational consulting firm. And I've been out on my own now for several years. I focus primarily in the training and development space as a consultant. And um, when I'm not doing any of that, I write the blog HR Bartender. Because I always thought as an HR pro, people wanted me to act like a bartender. <laughs> yeah. So if you've uh, if you've ever seen tweets from HR bartender, they're from Charlene. So Charlene, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk today about um, kind of what people can do in this kind of new hiring market. So we've we've all read the news articles that unemployment is at historic lows, and while this is a great time for the economy, the competition for talent is fierce. So, what are some new ways organizations can find the right talent? You know, um, one of the new ways is maybe. How do I say this? Looking at some of the people that we haven't had to think about in a while. And what I mean by that is when I go out there and talk to people who are recruiting right now, they're spending a lot of time focused on their employee referral programs. Um, you know, beefing those up. Are they, are they reaching out and making sure that employees know about the program and how it works? Um, also looking at doing some interesting things with the programs themselves in terms of is the thank you that you're giving an employee um, for bringing um, a name to the table, if you will, um, is it in alignment with your cost for hire, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I also am hearing a lot about companies reaching out and exploring boomerang employees, you know, individuals who have left the organization and might be willing to come back, even if they're not coming back in a full-time capacity. Are they thinking about possibly um, doing some contract work with the organization or coming back on a part-time basis? And then finally, I think one of the areas that organizations um, are exploring, and maybe they haven't had to do it in the past, you know, when the market was such that you could post a job and 400 people applied, you didn't have to think about it as much. But former applicants and candidates, individuals who were fantastic, but maybe they weren't the person who was selected for the opening you were recruiting for, um, but that doesn't mean that they're not good for other openings within the organization. So reaching out to people, you know, employees, former employees, former candidates is a great way to breathe new life into your process in ways that you haven't had to in the past. Now with, with the, the whole hiring process is, is, is tough. It's tough on the interviewer. It's tough on the candidate. Now, what are some ways the organization can bring a more human experience into the hiring process? We hear a lot about the candidate experience, but I can't emphasize enough how important it is 
for hiring managers and uh, recruiters to put themselves in the candidate's shoes. Um, two ways that come, you know, that I think of right off the top of my head is, first of all, the way that people apply. You know, more and more uh, individuals are using a mobile device versus a, you know, a PC or a computer sitting in their home. They're, they use their phone to bank and buy shoes and, and book their next vacation, you know, whether it's a tablet or a smartphone or something like that. Um, they want that same experience when it comes to applying for a job. So if, you know, your organization is putting something out there in terms of a job opening, nobody wants to go, wait, I think I might want to apply for that. Let me remember when I get home to call that up on my computer and put my application together, you know, put my resume together and apply for that job. They want an opportunity to see the job, apply right away, maybe send you to a social resume or a um, LinkedIn-type profile that they've created and let you know that they're interested in the, in the opportunity. So I think thinking about how people apply is really important. And then the second part is once people do apply, they want to know that the organization is going to follow up with them. I have to tell you, I'm HR bartender. The most asked question that I get, people will write me notes, is why doesn't the company follow up with me? Both in terms of once a person applies, saying your application did not get lost in this big black hole somewhere, so we received your application. If the position is closed, letting applicants and candidates know the position is closed. If a candidate applies or if a candidate gets interviewed, excuse me, by the company saying, um, hey, we didn't select you. Candidates are, you know, they're adults. They can take that. But there's nothing worse than coming in for an interview and being told, hey, we think you're an excellent candidate. We're going to call you back next week and talk to you some more about the position, and a week goes by or two weeks goes by, and the candidate hasn't heard anything. So two simple things. You know, think about mobile and think about, you know, bringing the process to closure with your candidates. Yeah, we've talked a lot at Global Force here about how um, every feedback out there is instant. So um, people aren't going to wait around, and they don't want to wait around for pretty much anything anymore. And um, providing some sort of closure would go a long way in terms, I mean, if I applied for a job and I'm waiting around, if you just tell me I didn't get the job, that's fine. Like I get it. Like it allows me to move on and, and not be, have this hanging over my head. So I'm going to move a little bit and talk about salary. So how do you deal with the difficult topic of salary in candidate discussions? There are a lot of tools out there that claim to show you your worth. Like Glassdoor has one and, um, uh, salary.com is, is built off of it. So, you know, people know what they're worth. They know what the position is. And plus there's new laws that say that you can't ask about uh, prior history and stuff. So how do you, how do you kind of tiptoe around the topic of salary in candidate discussions? I'm glad that you brought up the, the fact that there does appear to be some trending in the area of states passing laws that say you cannot ask people, you know, about their salary history. Um, but one of the things that you can do is if you've established um, 
you know, whether, you know, whether your state has a law that says you can't ask a seller history or not, if you've established um, a starting range for that position, put it out on the table. Um, the candidate wants to know they're in the ballpark and the company wants to know they're in the ballpark. So I think that that old saying about, oh, don't bring up salary until somebody else does and do it at the very end, I think that that's kind of becoming very passe. Um, I think an increasing number of candidates and companies are sort of saying, hey, let's not waste each other's time. Um, you know, this is the ball, this is the range um, that we're going to pay in. And, you know, are you cool with that? The one thing that I will say that I, that I think companies and candidates have to do is they have to become a little bit more open about compensation practices in general. Um, you know, if you tell somebody, hey, you know, the position pays between, you know, sixty and $80,000 a year, um, you don't want to come in starting at $80,000 a year um, because then you get redlined and you don't want to not get future salary increases. So some of what needs to happen is put the salary conversation out there, but also we need to become more educated in talking about how starting salaries get determined and so candidates don't feel like I'm not getting everything that I'm worth, you know, in the range. I mean, by putting it out there, you've got to know a little bit about why you want to be at a certain place in the range, at a certain percentile in the range. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's a can of worms. We were talking about it um, in the office just earlier um, about how, you know, you could start a job in that 60 to 80 range. You start at 60 and then you find out other people are making more and you could have asked for more. So now you're feeling bad. And then uh, you, you start off on, on like a low end and it takes you years to get up to what you could have just asked for. I have to tell you, I have to tell you a story. Years ago, um, one of the companies that I worked for, um, first of all, I've, I've always been really fortunate that I've worked for companies that made part of their compensation strategy or their compensation promise to employees that we would go out every year and we would make sure that our pay was um, externally um, competitive and internally equitable. Um, so we didn't guarantee people that we were going to change your pay every year. But what we did do is we said every year we will go out and make sure that we're doing the right thing and participate in a compensation study. So when we did that, um, one year the company came back and said, we're going to do a, a, a big change to our compensation structure and, uh, you know, these people need to be adjusted and everything like that. And so I remember going to my boss one year and saying, okay, everybody falls within the range except these two or three people. And uh, he's like, okay, who are those two or three people? And I remember having to tell my boss that I was, um, personally, oh, no. <laughs> the person whose pay was the most out of whack in the entire organization. Um, so, you know, I'm really, um, I'm really sensitized to that because you don't really want to be in that position. Um, but making sure that everybody's pay is both internally equitable and externally competitive. Yeah. So if a, if a candidate accepts your offer, now what? Like, what do you do once a candidate accepts your offer? 
I think now you, you start that shift from the candidate experience to the employee experience and start thinking about what you want onboarding to be like. Um, this is a great time to start getting your soon-to-be employee excited about working for the company. And I think that there are some, uh, a couple of things that you can do. First, in terms of welcoming the employee, um, if you haven't thought about video, um, you know, a video from the CEO or, um, you know, a, 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 you know, divisional vice president or, or whatever the case may be, because sometimes in, in some organizations, those people are traveling a lot and they're not, you know, physically where the employee is going to be. Um, you can send that off. Um, you can also create buddy programs so that new hires have a buddy that they can sort of answer questions. I'm a big fan of collaborative recruiting or collaborative hiring, this idea that you have multiple people involved in the hiring process, because that way when a, a new hire comes to your organization, they know more people than just HR and their boss. Because every organization has little unspoken rules and they have pieces of their culture that are not written down anywhere. And so when a new hire comes into the organization, they can, they have the ability to say to someone else, because a lot of times they might hesitate going to HR or their boss about this. Hey, is this really how we do things around here? And so the buddy program, I think, is, is a derivative of that where you have somebody that can sort of help the new hire through their first few days. I'm also seeing a lot of organizations starting to do welcome baskets and starting to create some opportunity to, you know, logo wear. You know, when I worked for the airline, um, we gave everybody, we made sure that you were completely decked out in T-shirts and water bottles and all of that kind of stuff um, so that you could, um, you know, feel like you were part of the team. And then the last piece that I would suggest, and you can do this um, on your, you know, if you have onboarding technology or some sort of HR, you know, company technology, is think about putting together a list of FAQs for the new employee. Things like, you know, what do you plan, you know, what do you expect on day one? Like, what to wear, where to park, you know, don't bring your lunch, we're going to take you out, you know, those kinds of things. And some things that the employee can expect in their first week. Once you start taking care of an employee's personal issues, you know, you, you answer their questions for them, then they can start spending time focused on the work. And that's what we all want. Um, so I, I think that now is time to make that shift and get employees focused on being an employee. That's great. Um, at Global Force here, we have we have the welcome baskets uh, with some swag in them. We have um, onboarding now. It hasn't always been the case. When I started, there was no onboarding. You just were there, <laughs> and you had to kind of figure things out by asking people. But we have onboarding now, and um, it's getting to the point where we're growing so rapidly that there's onboarding almost every week of, of new faces and stuff. So uh, as an organization, just a little bit of an inside baseball thing, we'll have to figure out how to kind of scale that up. But I, I love all these ideas. Now, you have I, I could pick your brain all day about um, ideas, but you have a new book out with more insights in the hiring process. Uh, what's the book called and where can people get it? 
It's called um, The Recruiter's Handbook, A Complete Guide for Sourcing, Selecting, and Engaging the Best Talent. I have to tell you one of the things that I love, love, love about this book is that um, in every chapter, um, I reached out to uh, friends and colleagues and tapped into their expertise. So at the end of every chapter, people were very willing to share some tips for um, their recruiting and hiring functions. Um, so I hope that um, people will pick it up and you can get it at the Sherm store. Fantastic. Uh, thank you again, Charlene Lobby of the ITM group. Uh, she has a new book out. We'll be tweeting that out along with a blog post from her. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to Work Human Radio and thank you to Charlene. Work Human Radio is brought to you by Globoforce, pioneers of the work human movement. Globoforce helps make work more human for millions of people and organizations worldwide. Learn more by visiting Globoforce.com and join the Work Human movement by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and the Work Human Community Forum on LinkedIn. Thanks again for listening to Work Human Radio.